Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connection, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Well, hello out there. How are you doing? This is Leticia Latino, host of Back to Basics. My guest today is Mary Henderson. She's an internationally recognized personal branding and online business guru who spent over 20 years of her professional career building high-performance teams in the IT sector and her own company, which she founded and successfully grew into a seven-figure-a-year operation before she decided to quit her lifestyle by resigning from it and start what she calls a journey within. Hello, Mary, and welcome to Back to Basics. Leticia, thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Well, I'm so excited about what that journey within entails. So I'm very, very excited about this episode. Thanks for being here. And in all my episodes, I always start with the origin story. So we had a little chit chat before. I know you're in Australia. Is this where you're from originally? Yes, I'm originally from Australia. Both my parents migrated to Australia. So my heritage is Greek. And uh, so, you know, we have a very big Greek community here in Melbourne. In fact, we're the second largest Greek community outside of Athens. So that's incredible. It is incredible. So yeah, this is my hometown, born, bred, and um, I love, I love Melbourne. It's very, very, very multicultural. And uh, that's what makes it, you know, so special. I love it. And so, and we shared this, I shared that my mom had migrated from Sicily to to Melbourne as well when she was 10 years old. So there were a big, there was a big Italian community. So that resonates to me a lot where you have your parents and they're from one place and you grow up in a different place. So how was that childhood and what were you passionate about as a little girl? It's interesting, uh, Leticia. I think that when you're a child of migrant parents who actually have come from war zone, you know, you're dealing with um, a very different type of environment, you know, in terms of your home environment, because, you know, these people, and I always, you know, think to myself, how did my parents survive being children in war? Like seriously. And it's very difficult because when they migrate here, you know, they're, they're broken. They, they're actually broken children. You know, they didn't go to psychologists or, you know, take on these, you know, all these personal development modalities and try these and, you know, unpack their story, go back to their, they didn't do any of that. They just arrived here and basically went straight into either school or work. You know, it was all very much based on a survival environment. So I was very much raised with that mindset. It made my parents put, you know, all of their effort into our education. That was like the thing, you know, if without education, they believed that you had nothing. They didn't understand, you know, about the, you know, how to become an entrepreneur. They didn't support, I mean, it's not that they didn't support it. They just didn't understand it. They were blue collar workers and that's really all they understood. So when I was young, you know, I found it very difficult to self-express. You know, I found it very difficult to express my dreams, even though I had really big, big ideas. 
they never were celebrated or embraced because in my parents' eyes, it was like, how are you going to do that? Like, how are you going to be that? You know, I mean, that's just like wishful thinking, Mary. So I was always raised by having my dreams and even my creativity squashed to such a degree where I was so internally frustrated, you know, as a child. In fact, my whole childhood, my whole teenage years was so, so suppressed, if you will. But I did find an outlet, you know, my outlet was for self-expression was singing. So thankfully, somehow my parents saw that as an, a good idea. And so I had my voice professionally trained, you know, from the age of five, you know, right up until my my 20s. It was just such a such an important part of my life. And even though I thought that my career would be in performing arts, I thought that I would go to the College of Arts and pursue that path, that never eventuated because, of course, then my parents thought that singing was just a hobby. There's no way that that could be a career. And so I found myself in my 20s being very, very, very lost no strategies, no direction. I went to university because that's what my mother wanted me to do. I studied psychology because that's what my mother wanted me to do. And I didn't even finish my degree, you know, because it was just so heartbreaking for me to be in an environment that A, I didn't resonate with, B, I was not interested in. And so it wasn't until my, my, you could call it my early thirties, where I just started to self-realize that, you know, I've had these that my 20s were based on very much self-destruction and then 30 I knew that I had to change my life but it all came down to that idea of not being me a hundred percent and I found that to be cathartic but leading to that was very very painful Leave it to a coach to really uh, present the, the the matter so clearly because obviously your self-awareness like a lot of people I believe, uh, struggle with pinpointing that moment where you say, I could not self-express. And I'm sure you love your parents to shred, but you admitted yeah. like this is, was a limiting belief that they transferred to me into what you're going to do with this. You must have had, I think, a great voice because if they let you do singing for so long, you probably sounded really good. So I think you might have had a shot at it. But Letitia, you know, that that's a very interesting point you made because, you know, the singing part, you know, some people might say, oh, my God, you know, it went to waste. How could you not use it? And the thing is, what I realized in my 30s is because the self-destruction was all based around not doing what I thought was my vocation, which was to sing, right? What I didn't realize, because nobody told me, was that singing was not my vocation, that my voice was my gift and singing was my talent. That was my natural state. But I never lost my gift. I may not have pursued my talent, but my job was to channel that gift in another way so that I always use my voice every day, no matter what, because that brings the best down in me, which is why I love podcasts so much for exactly that reason. It's why I love videos so much because I get to be the performer and also I get to use my voice. It's not because I want to be, you know, like this um, Instagram influencer famous. Absolutely not. It really is understanding how do I channel my gift, which is my voice, in a platform that allows me to perform because that is my natural state of being. That's where my epiphany 
happened. Like it was like, oh my God, like I can actually do something with this gift. I don't have to just give it away and leave it as a sheer memory. Let me use it so that I can actually create impact or do whatever it is that I want to do, which essentially is my vocation today. Mm, I love that. And I know that you had built and we prepped that while well, you were into work into an IT world, which is, you yeah. know, I heard you study psychology. So you also end up in a corporate world, professional career yes. that wasn't necessarily that aligned with what you had set yourself to do, but you were very successful at it. Yes. And so so that's also interesting that how to say that we can do a job and be successful at it. That doesn't mean that that's what you're meant to do in your life. And I think that's where a lot of people get confused that when they're good at their job and they say, well, but this is what I do and, and that, that's how I make my living. And they don't think there are other options available. So I think that's very powerful. And then you build your own company and then you had an epiphany. And I'm very uh, interested in hearing it from yourself. I've read about it, but uh, can you share that epiphany? Yeah, you know, uh, the thing a thing about with your career and with my career in particular, you know, being in the IT industry, which A, was extremely masculine, but on the other hand, Leticia, you know, I found something that I could do really easily, and that was being immersed in a sales environment in the tech industry. It was fast. It was furious. It allowed me to be the performer. That's what sales actually did, which is why I flourished so much in the corporate arena. You know, I was the highest paid salesperson in the tech industry for so long, not because I had something special, but because I allowed myself to step into an arena that matched my persona, where my natural gifts and my natural talents actually came to life every single day. I transitioned out of corporate in 2005 and started my own tech business, which essentially was in the software space and targeting a, a very specific niche, which was the academic sector. There was a big gap in that sector and I felt that I could fulfill that gap. I had that business for seven years. And again, you know, there were aspects of that business that were, came very natural to me. You know, I was very good at certain things. I was very bad at other things. Needless to say that it wasn't what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Running a tech company, managing staff, working in an office environment was not me at all, like at all. You know, I'm not a micromanager. I'm a macro thinker. So for me to be in an office environment, managing people at a micro level, that was overwhelming for me. Like it was so not my natural state of being at all, at all. So I found that very, very, very confronting and very difficult. And then in 2011, my second son was born, September the 8th. And three hours after he was born, you know, I reached out to my, my purse to get my lip balm. My business card fell on the bed and I picked up that business card and I looked at that title, you know, managing director, Mary Henderson, managing director. Suddenly, again, in that moment, that epiphany, I'm like, oh my God, my whole life has been a series of labels, like mother, daughter, sister, boss, managing director, whatever. I could just label, 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 label. And in that moment, something must happen to women, I think, after you give birth, because it's like you open yourself up to just opening yourself up. It was quite cathartic. I remember saying to myself, oh, my God, I am 
in a career that is absolutely not what I want to do for the rest of my life. I am just in this job that I created, which I happen to call my company. I created this because I'm still looking for validation. I'm still looking for my parents to tap me on the shoulder to say, Mary, even though you didn't, Mary, we're so proud of you, even though you didn't finish your degree. That was the truth. Like in that moment, I declared the absolute truth. It was hard. It was confronting, but it was freedom. I absolutely freed myself because that was the truth. And I knew from that moment that I would resign from my own company. I didn't care what happened. I had to leave to go and find myself. Thankfully, I sold my company and three months after I was free, January 2012, for that entire year, I took a sabbatical to find myself. That's the inner journey. And um, I had the most amazing mentors that created a space for me, for me to allow that version of me, that true version of me to start to evolve. And that was a journey in itself. Mm, That's so powerful. Everything you've said, because to step away from a company you yourself put together, like this is the dream uh, for a lot of people. And they get stuck in that idea of I want to be my own boss. I want to do this. And, uh, you know, I well, I work for the family business. So as I, as I, <laughs> I work for my dad still, uh, he's 88. But, uh, you know, let's let's put it truly, I'm as close as the boss <laughs> as there can be. And it's not as freeing as people think. You know, they think, yeah, you, yeah. You, oh, you call the shots, you do this. Yeah, but you have a whole different set of things. Yeah. Yeah, that are that make you feel in chains, and uh, you know, and when it's your business, your family business, whatever it is, you feel you're failing. Who's behind you or yourself? And that is extremely difficult to deal with yes. to to accept yes. that failure or that fact that hey, it's my business, but I'm not as happy as I thought it would be. That takes courage. So congratulations on that one, because I know that's yeah. really must have felt liberating, but would have come with a lot of mixed feelings. Well, I think what happens is that, you know, you you suddenly find yourself without a destination. For the first time in my life, I had no destination. I had always worked. I had always, you know, controlled my life, if you will. There was always a controlling element. But for the first time, here I am. I have no idea what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. I have no idea where I'm going from today onwards. I have no idea, you know, what my future is going to look like. Meanwhile, I have two young kids. Fortunately, I was in a position to be able to take that year off, but it was very confronting not knowing at that age, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? Like seriously. And that was a a very, very pivotal moment for me. And, And I know then you became, you know, you you base your entire being about around personal brand and you you came to a realization and that's why i mean when i read about you i say oh i have to talk to mary she's because i came to that and i've shared on the show like three years ago where i said i have all these labels too like i'm the daughter of the owner i'm a tower you know telecom executive but i i felt that's not representing me and i felt this need to create my web page so which i had people like laughing like you're not selling anything why you want to create a, a web page and i say because i need to tell the world what i am other than this 
And so yes. that's how, where I could showcase my podcast, which is a way I found to okay. self-express that that need, that yearning that I had. It's like, I like my job, but I'm not getting all I need from my job. So I can be unhappy and drag it, or I can create other ways to feel fulfilled, which I did through this podcast and, and doing other and speaking and other things. And so then I understand the value of personal branding and people that know me and people that are close to me that listen to this episode know I'm telling the truth. I became like a big, you know, proponent of you have to build your personal brand, even if you're not selling any, you you need to know what you're about and then face the world. So, but of course you are the guru. Let me stop there and let me, let me let you talk about building that brand and that process and also any advice you have for people that find themselves without a destination. You know, Letitia, that's a very important point because when I look at personal branding, you know, there's two aspects to it. You're absolutely right. It is truly understanding who am I in my core truth, okay, because that's really important, not who do I want to be. This is where a lot of people go. A lot of people take the journey of personal branding, of looking at other people they aspire to be like. That is there's there's such wasted energy in trying to be somebody else or even aspiring to be somebody else. I can never be Oprah. I can never be Letitia. I can never be anybody else except myself. Why? Because my life experience is is exclusive to me and me only. My gifts and my talents are not necessarily exclusive to me, but they're but my the way that I express them is exclusive to me. So when I'm looking at personal branding, I'm looking at a human being that essentially wants to turn themselves into the business. So they're not hiding behind a brick wall and saying, "Hey, my brand is ABC Company." My company is Mary Henderson. That's me, right? You're, you're, I'm the brand. I'm the company. And so we start from that understanding that you are going to be the person that people are going to buy. You're the product and you're the service. And so with the personal branding, we look at all of the attributes that make up a brand, as in a corporate brand. But then we look at a personal brand and we suddenly realize, oh, All the attributes that make up a a corporate brand also are exactly the same for a personal brand. I still have to define my values. I still have to define my, my skills, my value proposition, what makes me different, what is my promise, uh, what is, what are my gifts, what are my talents? I still have to unpack all of the attributes that make up me as the brand. The difference between a corporate brand and a personal brand is that the corporate brand is driven by their story. Without a story, there's no corporate brand. Apple doesn't exist if Steve Jobs didn't have that experience. But with a personal brand, your story is a part of the branding architecture and a very important part. But a personal brand is actually driven by legacy. These people are the black sheep. These people are the people that want to create impact, you know, in the world. They're the disruptors, the ones that know that they can create a greater impact than what it is that they have right now. This is why you're seeing a a, a lot of people in the corporate landscape leaving because inside of them, something is saying, 
I'm better. I can do more. I've got all this knowledge, wisdom, and skill set. What do I do with it? So they're transitioning into a, a, a solopreneur type of a business, be it a coach or a consultant, because there's a yearning somewhere inside of your soul that's saying you're you are bigger than this. And we don't know, we can't articulate it in words sometimes, but it's there. And there's a there's a huge, huge, huge growth in that space, especially with women. So, so let's look at personal branding. The foundation of any business, in my opinion, is the brand. It starts with the brand. If I don't know what I do, who I serve, and what I promise with absolute clarity, it's going to be very difficult, A, for me to sell, B, to start a conversation with my target audience, and C, bring them into a conversation that I can start that can actually lead them down a path that allows me, the brand, to be able to showcase not just my specialization, but the problems that I can solve with ease and grace, two very important words. So when we're looking at the personal brand and we're building that architecture, our brand architecture, we are looking at the brand truth. We're looking at the brand essence. We're looking at the brand story because that creates the foundation before you start building your house. I can't be believable and I cannot be trustable if I didn't have a story to back why it is that I am so passionate around personal branding. But more importantly, how did I develop a software and a system and frameworks to be able to define brands with absolute accuracy? Because that story for me started in year 2000, you know, in my tech industry, in the sales capacity, there's lots of stories that happen in, in my career. And also in my own personal inner journey, that when you merge those two together, oh, now we see why she does personal branding in the way that she does it. Now, see what I just said? Because I can say to you, oh, Letitia, yes, personal branding is great. You need to define your look, your feel, your colors, your fonts, you know, your website. That's personal branding. I'm going to tell you that is not personal branding. They're elements that are a given. Of course, you have to define your branding colors and your fonts and your, your, your palette. Of course, that's a given. My standpoint is different. My standpoint is who are you in your natural state of being? Who are you truly in your natural state of being? That's what I'm looking for. So that's the beginning and the end, if you will, of building that foundation. From there, we start to build the other elements of you as a business. In other words, what is my solution? What does that look like? What problem can I really solve? Who can I serve? You know, where are those people? How do I start a conversation with those people? Then we start to systemize your knowledge, wisdom, and skill set into a system. So that's the solution. That's the service now you're starting to sell. But again, it's congruent with your branding, your brand story, your brand essence. It's all congruent. There's no disconnect whatsoever because now the language is so much easier to uh, articulate, you know, in your social media posts, your keynotes, whatever it is that you want to do. Once that foundation is, is, is complete, everything else is so much easier even writing a book, unbelievably easy because all of the elements have been unpacked systematically that makes sense to my user. 
Mm, that sounds so appealing. I mean, I, I'm sure people are already uh, thinking, you know, all this. I, I call it the pillars. Like when I build my my own essence, I say, what am I passionate about? And I define it's innovation, diversity mm. and inclusion and workforce development. And I found a way to link that into my industry in a way that that's with perfection without looking that much. But as you said, once you define it, it's just so easy. And then I wrote, yeah. I co-wrote a book about diversity and inclusion. It just happened. And people say, how are you making these things happen? And just by by knowing what you want. And the other yes. story I always share, I, I met my husband on Matcha.com 50, no, 18 years ago. And <laughs> one of the things he says that was the key to success for him was to have to write what he wanted in a woman. Because as a man, he said, I never wrote, you know, it was so yeah. I kind of thought I knew, but I didn't know. And so the importance of, of writing, of putting it in paper or just, you know, intentionally saying what you want or who you are, what the true essence is, as, as you mentioned, is so important because we think we know until we actually set ourselves to do it. And then we realize, yes. oh, it's not that clear as I thought. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm sure you see a lot of that in the coaching you do. And, and I mean, you, you, you coach coaches. So even more so you see like really, I think the biggest challenges. So what would you say in terms of coaching coaches? Like, what do you say? It's like uh, one thing that you see that, that that is the difficulty when you, you said to do something with somebody and all the elements are there, but then it becomes harder. What, what would be those challenges that you face sometimes? I think that the, the biggest challenge with the people that I work with is that they say, I've done so much in my life. I've got, I've done, I've got so much life experience. I've got so much professional experience. I've done this. I've done that. I just don't know how to pull it together so that I can, so that it can solve a problem. I don't know what problem I can solve. I don't know, you know, how to articulate that. I don't know how to convert all of that inventory into a solution. That's the biggest pain point that all 99.9% .9 of the people that I work with say exactly the same thing. And this is my, this is my genius zone, you know, coming from a tech background and owning my own software company, you know, I learned how to organize data. That was, that's my biggest strength, you know, that I can, I can listen to you talk and I can be in the background creating a whole program that you're going to sell for $20,000. I just know how to do that, you know, because it's organizing the information that makes sense to the target audience. Okay. It's not about what you and I want. It's really, really digging deep and understanding how do I need to take that person that's going to buy my product? How do I take them on the journey? So <clears throat> that's the biggest problem I see with a lot of my clients. And this is the other thing, Letitia. You know, a lot of people, coaches especially, this is a habit for many coaches. They're selling time for money, you know, $150 an hour. I, we don't, that's not my philosophy. My philosophy is you have to sell a solution. Not, not the hourly rate. So when it's, it's, it's cathartic when my clients go from selling their services from $150 an hour to $10,000 to a, for a solution in a completely different model. And it's, it's liberating. And that's, that for me is just so exciting to see. I've got a, just to give an example, I've got a client at the moment. She's comes from the education space. She's a leadership coach. So she's been doing her, 
coaching business or leadership coaching business, you know, by the hour. It's like, okay, here's what you need. Here's the proposal. It is going to take me 12 hours, 12 hours times 200. There's your fee. I'm like, are you kidding me? You're selling the solution, the methodology. So she hasn't even launched. She's already signed up two contracts, major contracts for her new coaching model. No one has blinked an eye. So now she's gone from selling it at the hour to the solution. It's a different language and it's a different conviction when you're actually selling it. I totally believe it. It's, it's disruptive. And that's why a lot of people, even in the telecom industry, you're so used and, and the whole, we've always done it this way. And it yes. seems so difficult and I, you know, to change the mindset that people yes. don't want to engage, don't want to invest, not realizing yes. that once if you're able to change the mindset, then you're alone in yes. the game because nobody else is committed to that. Then yes. they will come, but you will still be the first one. And it just takes, a, a, as you say, you use a beautiful word, conviction into yes. what you are capable of doing to really encourage to say, I'm not going to play that game. I'm going to play my game. And I know what yes. are the value I bring to the table. Well, the other thing is, uh, Letitia, there's a lot of, you know, there's a movement around, you know, these femme type economies, you know, like, you know, uh, teaching, you know, feminine power and how to become empowered as a, as a woman. I'm all for that, by the way. So, you know, I'm not discarding that. What I'm saying is that a lot of these women are going into these coaching programs and trying to find their inner fire. You know, they're trying to find, you know, their purpose. They're trying to unlock their boundaries. I get all of that. And I think it's very, very important to be able to go on that journey. I've been there, done that. However, what happens is that these women invest six, nine months in these coaching programs. Yes, they become self-actualized, but at the end of it, it's like, okay, now what do I do? So we're back to square one again. So it's great to self-actualize. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not knocking that. I'm saying that a lot of these women go into those coaching programs to become something, to be something, to do something. And even though that they're self-actualizing that feminine aspect of them, when I say feminine, I'm not just talking about women and men, the feminine energy, that inner power, the inner drive. Even though they're joining those coaching programs to unleash that, at the end of it, it's like, okay, well, now that I've done it, how do I, how do I start my coaching business? How do I start my consulting business? Now we're back to square one. Now in my world, I flip that. I say, no, you have to understand how to implement all of the masculine system. The implementation for me is the most important. Why? Everybody hates doing it everyone oh, yeah. and this is what women's that this is what they run away from especially women it's too hard it's too confronting there are too many moving parts so they they run away from that they go to the the part that's easy of course you know going into that inner journey is not easy it's confronting but it's the journey that women love and men we love the journey we love unfolding that the story it's exciting it's confronting it's cathartic. There's two sides to every coin. But if you're not implementing your genius zone, 
and understanding what that looks like and what that looks like as a service to the outside world, then you're back to square one. And now you're going back on that journey because the implementation is the key. So for me, the masculine is vitally important. The implement every moving part so you're in a position where you're like, oh, my God, I've got a business. I can commercialize. I'm ready to go. Then I go to the self-actualization. I flip it. So I have my masculine system, the implementation, and then the internal system at the end when they've launched, then I take them on the self-actualization journey. And it's unbelievable because when you've got a product and a service that you can sell, everything is in place, all of your automations in place, website, online program, everything's in place. Now, suddenly you have got that conviction, you know exactly how to sell it, but now it's up to you to become that. You have to then embody that. So I do it back to front. And for me, it's worked unbelievable because it means that there's that you don't have anything to implement. You've wasted the time. You've already wasted the six months with me, but you now you're implementing and you're embodying at the same time. You're not having to redo another six months to then start all over again. It happens in parallel. And I think that this is where the issue is for a lot of coaches is that they can see that they're great at at, at providing the world with their genius. They just don't know how to do it. Mm, that's so powerful. Very, very powerful. So I know that uh, all of you, I mean, you are an author too. You've you've published uh, several yes. books. So I always give my guests as we are approaching the end of the interview an opportunity to say, what's exciting you these days? Are you, do you want to talk about anything, any project, any anything that's really making you tick? I, and for me, you know, Letitia, my, my job is not a job and it's not even a vocation. It's just the love. It's the love of my life. I absolutely get to call what I can do with ease and grace my, you know, my, my vocation. I mean, it's just so amazing. And I'm, I just this month, actually yesterday, I launched my 12 month mastermind. So we had a six month boot camp. We're no longer doing that. It's now become the 12 month mastermind because I just found that 90% of the clients that work with me in the group coaching for six months, they all signed up for another six months. So most people that work with me want to stay for 12 months. Some have stayed for two years. So I've just launched the 12 month mastermind and it's the group coaching where I get my, my love. Like that's really my love where I get to hold people's hands on the journey. I get to see people starting from an idea to actually making six figures. Like I can't tell you how exciting that is to actually see people become what they always wanted to become. I just love that. So that's really where I'm at. I have a magazine, which is called Authority 5.0. That magazine started off as an idea. It's now a fully fledged publishing uh, business. It was never meant to be that. And it targets industry experts. So again, you know, these are all initiatives that I've self-created. Nothing's come. It's all been created because of the work that I do. So that's another thing I want to share. When you love what you do, and it's not your job, but it is genuinely the love of your life, creative ideas come to you. You don't go to them. They just suddenly appear and you're like, that's a great idea. I need to do that. Why? Because you get so much feedback from the people you work with that you can see where opportunities lie. It's that easy when you actually are in a position of self-empowerment, self-actualization. So I always like to leave it and say to people, just realize 
Now, your knowledge, wisdom, and skill set is what I would call your internal inventory. That internal inventory has a currency, like a real currency. And just know that you're sitting on a gold mine right now. The question is, what are you going to do with that inventory? That's the big question. And that's what I'll, I'll leave it on that note. Well, uh, that's a very powerful kind of call to action. You're sitting on a gold mine, you know, like anybody would want to move. And I know that they're going to want to go to your webpage. It's going to be on my show notes, but it's maryhendersoncoaching.com. Correct? You got it. And uh, I mean, everything you share has been incredible, incredible. I love this conversation and I have no... It's not surprising to see how successful you are and just that radiance you have talking about the love of your life and all you do. So thank you, Mary, so much for being part of Back to Basics. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Back to Basics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming platforms. This is the best gift you can give us. Join me next week for another Back to Basics conversation. And if you want to find out about other exciting things I'm working on, visit LeticiaLatino.com. Thank you and until the next time.